if you have your Bible, we're not going to uh, be here too long, but Luke chapter 7 is something I just want to share briefly. So I kind of had like a, like a full-length message, but I just felt like, man, I, I just kind of approached uh, celebration worship earlier in the week. I was like, man, guys, let's just do some extended worship tonight. So I've taken my full-length message, and I'm just going to kind of give you the highlights, if you will, and, uh, and then we're going to get ready to worship again. Do you appreciate this awesome team, though? How great are they? Every single week. Every, Jesse just keeps getting better looking every single week, and so it's awesome. But hey, Luke chapter 7, if you don't have a Bible, we got you covered. It'll be on the screen. Uh, to your left and to your right. It says this. It says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner, right? That's what this man says. Like, like he's pointing out like some, some stuff right here. He's like, hey, Jesus, man, this, this woman is a sinner. And if you're a real man of God, you'd know that. You wouldn't even get close to sinners. You see, sub 30, the quickest way to find a religious spirit is you just start touching sinners. You just start hanging out with, with unsaved people. You start hanging out with lost people. Boy, you'll find a religious spirit in a heartbeat. And the Pharisee's like, well, what's going on here, right? And then he turned toward the woman and he said, Simon, this is Jesus, right? Or, or sorry, verse 40, Jesus answered the man first. He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. He said, okay, well, well two people owed money to a, a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both men. Now, which of the men do you think will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt, forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, which was customary, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests begin to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I, I just want to share a couple thoughts on a very simple title tonight of what I've just called Sinner's Forgiveness and Love. Sinner's Forgiveness and Love. The, the first thing I noticed um, right here in Luke chapter 7 as I was kind of going through this in my study time is, is that we are not given a name for this woman. We don't, we don't get her name. Oftentimes in, in Scripture, you know, you, you're reading Bible stories and such, you know, you kind of always get names, especially in the Old Testament. Like, you'll get more names than you even know what to do with. You're like, you don't even know what to do with all the names. But in this particular scenario, we, we don't even get this woman's name. All we are given is her sin. That's all we know about her. We don't, we don't get a name. All we're given is just that she is a sinner. Can you imagine if that's how you were identified? Can you imagine if people didn't even know your name, all they identified you with was your sin of choice? 
What if that's how people knew you around town? Oh, 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 there goes liar. That, that's liar over there. Okay. Oh, oh, there goes greed. That's greed. That, that's lust. That's envy. That, that, that's pride over there. Like imagine if that's how people identified us. You, you were only known by the issue that you're struggling with. You were only identified with your sin. You were only identified with your shortcoming. I, I thought about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Mary? Like you're, you're carrying Jesus. Imagine what people said behind her back. Like you're Mary, you're, you're just strolling through town. People are like, oh, hey, you know, that's Mary over there, right? You know, Mary, like she, she's pregnant, right? She ain't married though, but she's pregnant, you know, and she says it's the Holy Spirit. I doubt it. Uh, you know, imagine the, the flack Mary got. People just being only known and associated by their sin. But sub 30, the great thing that I've learned about our God is that he is less interested in what you have done. He is more interested in what you will do after you encounter him and his grace and his love. So many people identifying with their sins. I'm here to tell some people tonight, your sin does not identify you. Your sin does not define you. You are not defined by your sin. You are defined by your Savior. You are defined by who God says that you are. When I am in Christ Jesus, you got to get a hold of this. When I am in Christ Jesus, I'm a believer. I have faith in the Son of God. I am no longer my sin. That is not my title. That is not my label anymore. But the enemy will try to convince you. No, that's still who you are. It's not who I am. It's not identified. I'm not identified in that way anymore. I am who my Savior says I am. I love what Scripture says in Psalm 139, right? Tells us that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In Genesis chapter 1, you are made in the image of God. It's a pretty stinking good image, right? The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God, when he was forming and fashioning your life, that he had plans for you, good plans, carefully thought out plans, tailor-made plans with a hope and a purpose. That's who I am. Some people say, well, well Pastor Clay, I hear you. Like, I hear what you're saying, preacher, but you don't understand. I've kind of already built a reputation for myself because of these sins. Like, I kind of have some stuff that I'm not, I'm not I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, preacher. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not real happy with them. I wish I could take them back, but it's kind of just been my life story. This has been my issue. This has been my struggle. And people around town kind of already identify me with this particular issue. I hear that all the time. And people are going to say, and people know me as, and people, 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 people can't define you because they didn't make you, nor do they own you. You know who can define me? The one who made me and owns me. And when I said yes to Jesus Christ, boy, his blood purchased my life. I am not a rental in Jesus' mind. He owns me. And as the owner of my life, he gets the privilege of defining me. People didn't make your life, and people don't own your life, so people can't define your life. Jesus gets to define my life. Sin will not define me. Who Jesus says I am will define me. Boy, in Jesus Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. That's what happened when you say yes to Jesus. And maybe there has been a previous sin label or title that has reigned over your life. But boy, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, he takes that label. He defeated that label. He covers that label. And now he offers you a brand new title as son and daughter. What an exchange we get when we come to Jesus. Some of us know in this room tonight, we know the power of that exchange because you've already made it. Some people, you don't know it yet, but you have the opportunity to know that exchange tonight. That thing that has tried to define you over and over and over. Jesus says, hey, why don't you give me that trashy title and I'm gonna give you a much better one. And now all of a sudden, 
You're not on the outside. You're not foreign anymore, but you've been welcomed into the family of God as a son and a daughter. What a powerful, powerful thing. The next thing I want to show you is, well, let me turn our attention to Philippians chapter 3 and 13. See, this is an amazing verse. For those of you who are like, man, when I give my life to Christ, what, what, what do I need to do? I love what it says. They can go ahead and put it up. But one thing I do, Paul makes it very, very simple. You know, you know what I do in, in Christ Jesus? I, I do this. No, no, you got to keep going right there. Forgetting what is behind and straining on towards what is ahead. Boy, that's a word for some people in here tonight. Some people, you, you, you've, been, you've been keeping your sights on what's behind you. You've been still concerned with the issues of the past. No, no, in Jesus Christ, I'm going to forget all that. I'm going to press on towards what's ahead. I'm going to press on towards this new title God's given me. Sometimes I might not act like a son. Sometimes I might not act like a daughter, but it doesn't escape the fact that I am one. See, sometimes I have a two-year-old little boy, and I would imagine that as he grows up, some of you might even have children much older than that, but as your kid grows up, sometimes they do things that you're not proud of. Sometimes they do things and you're like, man, I, I, that, that was a mistake. That was, you shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. That was dumb. That was whatever. But you don't take the family title from them. You don't say, hey, Jude, that was a stupid move and you're no longer a bared. You know? Like, like you, you got to go find. No, no, no. And, 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 but people think God does that to us. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that to us. Boy, when you are in Christ Jesus, you're in the family of God. There's security there. Blessed assurance. You need to be assured when you're in Jesus Christ. I just think there's too many people and they come to the altar every single week. Not that the altar is a bad place at all. Boy, it's a great meeting place with God. But they're coming down thinking that I made a mistake and now God's mad with me and I'm back on the outside. No, it's not true. I'm thankful for repentance. I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful for forgiveness. But boy, you're in the family of God and there's some assurance there in Jesus Christ. I, I love it, boy. And, and in Luke chapter 7, the the next thing I noticed that I wanted to point out in verse 37, it said that this woman lived a sinful life. Don't get a name. We're just told that she's a sinner and she lived a sinful life. Most people that have studied this passage of scripture uh, believe her to be a prostitute. Boy, this is powerful if you can catch this right here. They believe her to be a prostitute. And here's this, this prostitute. So, so in the Pharisee's eyes, not just a sinner, but like a, she's kind of, she's a sinner. You know what I mean? Like, not just like, oh, she told a lie. She cheated on her taxes. Like in their mind, she's like, yo, Jesus, this chick is out there, and you've now let her into the house, and now she's washing your feet, and the whole deal, what's going on here, Jesus? She, she's a prostitute, right? Imagine if you're this woman, and every single day you've been waking up for countless years, and, and you basically just wait for the sun to go down until you go out to whatever particular street you've been to probably over and over and over, and as every single day passes, men just come and, and they buy you. And they, and they buy you for a, a few minutes here. And you go back and another man comes up. He buys you for a few minutes there. And, and you've been bought and bought and bought. And men come and they buy and they buy and they buy. A few minutes here, a few minutes there, a little time over here and a little time over there. Imagine her astonishment, though, when one day one of her friends comes up to her and says, Hey, hey, I need you to know, hey, th there's, there's a man in town. At first, I'm sure she probably says, come on, not, a, not another guy. Like, come on. Like, we've been down this road. I thought you were going to help me get out of this lifestyle. What do you mean there's another guy in town? And no, 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 you, you, don't, you don't understand. Uh, there's another man in town, and he's here, and he wants to buy you back. Imagine her astonishment when she says, what are you, what are you talking about? Oh, there's this guy named Jesus. He's not like the other men that 
have been with you. He's not like the other men that you've had maybe relationships here or there. Oh, those men wanted to buy you. This one wants to buy you back. You see, sub 30, I don't know, as each of us perhaps examine our own life, I don't know what sin has been buying you for a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And it's, and it's become a pattern in your life. And it seems like every month it, 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 like it bought you for a few moments over there and it, and it bought you on that Friday night there and it got you on that Saturday over there and it bought you and it bought you. But boy, I'm here to tell you the same thing is true for you, that there is a man here tonight named Jesus Christ who wants to buy you back out of all of that mess. Out of all of that mess. And the first response from so many people is you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand my sin resume. You don't understand the stack of mess and the heap that I have created. It's not, Pastor, it hadn't just been a few minutes there. and a few. It's been years there. It's been tons of time over here. Boy, I've been all over the place. I'm here to tell you his blood that he shed on the cross is rich. It can buy back any amount of sin. It can buy back any amount of mess that you have ever created. Jesus isn't worried about how much sin you got stacked up. Boy, it'll buy you back. The fact of the matter is, is that there's not a beating heart in here tonight that wasn't a sinner. There's not a single one of us that that escapes this title in blue up there. We were all that. We at all one time said, you know what, God, I know right, but I'm doing wrong. We've all done it. And we created a massive list and sin bought us and it bought us and it bought us, but thank God for the redemption that we have in Jesus, that he can buy us back. Boy, it was a debt that you and I could never pay. We were never gonna get around to paying that debt off, but that's why we worship. Sometimes if, you, if you've ever been in church and you fully don't maybe really understand worship and man, it's like four songs, that's kind of a long time to stand up and what's going on and people lifting their hands and stuff like that. But boy, we lift our hands because I know how much debt I had. I, I can't help but kind of like get excited and lift my voice and like really get passionate about worshiping God but because maybe you didn't see my old life, but I saw my old life and I know how much there was there. There, there was a lot of mess there, but he bought me back and now he calls me son. When I had no stinking right, I did not deserve a drop of the ocean of grace that he has given my life. But Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself and kind of the last thing I wanna show us before maybe we worship together was Jesus, as this Pharisee has this massive issue. Jesus, uh, I don't think you realize who this woman is and, and you might wanna take a step back and let, let me help you, Jesus. And, and Jesus is like, no, no, let me, let me tell you something. And, and he tells this story. He tells this story about these two guys and he says, hey, hey let, me, let me just ask you, Pharisee, let me ask you a question. And Jesus always speaks in like parables, right, stories. You know, it's like you ask Jesus a question. He's like, well, let me tell you this. And then he like, you're like, I, geez, I don't know what that had to do with the question I just asked. But, um, but this is what he does. And he's like, all right, let me, let me say this. Uh, let's just say there's two guys, right? They both owe money. One guy owes a whole lot of money. The other guy, maybe not so much. Neither of them can pay their amount though. But the guy that they owe money to finally comes to him and he's like, hey, look, it's all good. Like, don't worry about it. I'll just, I, just you, don't, you don't even have to pay back. It's, it's all good. It's done. It's over. It's clear. And Jesus asked the question, out of those two guys, which one do you think is more thankful? Which one do you think is more appreciative? Which one do you think loves the fact that they got off scot-free like that? Which one? And, And the Pharisee answers, well, I suppose it was the guy who owed the most money. You see, I wanna share a parable with you if I could. Um, 
it's kind of like going to dinner. I, you know, whenever you go to dinner with a group of people, um, there's always three types of people at the dinner table when the check comes to the table. You know this to be true, right? You're sitting down with a group of friends and you're all at Chili's, right? You're hanging out at Chili's. Every one of my illustrations always go back to Chili's. Um, you're sitting down at the neighborhood grill and, uh, and that's Applebee's. And so, I'm getting my slogans mixed up, right? All, all you and your friends are there and the bill comes, right? It's not split checks, it comes on one check, right? There's always the first person, right? Three types of people. The first person is always the guy who's like, ah, ah. Like, why are you reaching up here, homeboy? Like, you don't ever put your wallet up here? Like, ah, my wallet, hold up, ah, there it is. Uh, there's always that one guy's like, ah, like, I, I ain't got it, man. I'm gonna get you back next time, though. That's what you said last time, man. And so there's always that first person, right? But then there's the second guy. And, and the second guy, I like to call him the divider. Uh, boy, he's going to grab that check. He's going to get out his iPhone and the calculator. And he's going to be like, all right, who had the Diet Coke? Who had the Diet Coke? Do you? Do you have the Diet Coke? No, you have the Diet Coke. All right, who ordered the bottomless chips? Bottomless chips. I, bro, I don't know. We, we all had some of the bottomless. No, I, I had some. You ordered it. You're paying for it. All right, you're, you're on the bottomless chips. You're on the bottomless chips. Okay, uh, 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 what, what else we got here? Uh, salmon. Who had the salmon? Those you had the salmon. Okay, uh, right? There's always the divider. Right, he's like, he's gonna calculate the tax and everything. We've all known that person, right? But then there's finally the third type of person. Check gets thrown on the table and the third type of person just grabs the check and what do they do? They just say, hey man, I, I got it. I got it. I got it, it's all good. I'm gonna take care of it. You see, in my family, this is my dad. I love it. When my dad ever comes up to me and he's like, hey Clay, you wanna go get something to eat? I never respond to him and go, no, 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 I, no, no. I'm always gonna be like, are you, are you wanna go to eat? You paying for it? I'm there, man. I'm going every single time. Boy, anywhere and everywhere I go with my dad, he is always, always, always picking up the check. You see, sub 30, it's the same thing with you and I and our sin. Grace paid the bill that you and I could not pay. It came to the table. We didn't have enough in our funds. You didn't have enough righteousness. You didn't have enough good deeds. You didn't store up enough good stuff. But boy, grace paid what I could not pay. Jesus did what I could not do. And Jesus tells this story to this Pharisee in hopes that he'll understand this concept of he who has been forgiven little is only gonna love a little. But boy, he who has been forgiven much will love much. Why do I lift my hands? Why do I lift my voice? Why do I worship God? Why do I get so passionate and serious? Because I've been forgiven much. I've been forgiven much. And boy, anytime you see someone going passionate in worship, Anytime you see someone bringing their A game in a moment of worship, all that it should tell you is that person has realized that they have been forgiven much. Because he who has been forgiven much loves much. He who's been forgiven little loves little. I'm here to tell you tonight, Sub 30, whether you think your debt of sin is a little or whether you know it to be a lot, it's still more than you're able to pay. And that's why we love Jesus. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why I've given my life to Jesus. Not just personally, but it's why I've surrendered my life to 
to doing this in hopes that many other people behind me will give their life to Jesus. He did what I couldn't do. Boy, every single day he does what I can't do. The goodness of God, sometimes you just gotta pause. Sometimes you just gotta close your eyes. And sometimes you just gotta sit and think. Think back years and years. And if you concentrate and if you focus, you'll see the goodness of God. It was in places that you didn't catch it in the moment, but boy, hindsight's 20-20, isn't it? And you see the goodness of God. And you see him saving you from that relationship and you see him saving you from that circumstance. You see him saving you from that workplace, saving you from that whatever area of life that, that boy, you came out, boy, he saves and he saves and he saves. Even before you surrender your life to Jesus and he saves your life, boy, he's already been saving your life and you haven't even seen it. I just want us to stand to our feet all over the auditorium tonight. It's not a full-length message, I know, but it's enough for us to understand the goodness of God, the grace of God. Boy, it's paying bills. The grace is paying. The blood of Jesus is rich. It covers sin with every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what sin resume you drug in here tonight, but the enemy is pretty ticked off that you found yourself here because now you've heard about the goodness of God. Now you know that you don't have to carry that weight anymore. Now you know that you don't have to leave here bound up weighty, heavy, because you've been carrying around all this mess. It's bringing anxiety to your life. It's bringing worry to your life. You don't even feel good about yourself anymore because you feel like, man, I've just turned to this, into this person that I don't even want to be. I keep doing all this mess of stuff. I don't even want to do it anymore, but it just keeps happening. I don't even know how to get free from all this stuff. Like maybe you've tried a few things. Maybe you've done a few things. It just hasn't worked. I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. If you want to put any professor in here, I don't know what they're giving people at UNF. I don't know what they're giving people at Jacksonville University. I know people are trying to get pills to solve their problems. People are trying to get classes to solve their problems. Some of us have seen 30 million therapists to try to solve our problems. Jesus is the only one. He's the only way. And I'm here to tell you what therapists and pills and the medical world probably couldn't fix in you, boy, Jesus could lift a weight tonight and you could walk out of here feeling freer than you have ever felt because grace paid the bill. Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Tonight, if you know you need a real genuine relationship with Jesus, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I would ask that you would be so bold to just put your hand in the air saying, yeah, I need to come back into right relationship with Jesus. I need God in my life. Just shoot it up, man. Hands are up in every single section. You are not alone. Just keep your hand up. Keep it up for just a second. Anyone else? Five, 10 more seconds. Anyone else? I wanna pray for you. Anyone else? Man, tonight's your night. There's no condemnation. There's no shame in Jesus Christ. Come on, there's no shame in our game. We are coming to Jesus. He is doing for you tonight what he has done for so many of us in this room already. I want to pray for you. I want everyone to uh, repeat this prayer after me, and then we're going to sing. Everyone say this. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I recognize my need for you, that you are the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. God, I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that you are the son of the living God who died and rose again from me. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name.